Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. My name is Aaron, and this is the first podcast I've ever pre-gamed for. Uh, we've got across the table from me today, longtime friend of mine, first-time guest of the show. Welcome, Mr. Kent Dean, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Kent, welcome to the show, buddy. How the hell are you? I am doing absolutely fantastic. So let's talk about why we're both doing absolutely fantastic. We both pre-gamed at uh, Tennessee Brewworks. We did pre-game at Tennessee <laughs> Brewworks, so we weren't actually planning on recording this podcast, nope. Nope. but Tennessee Brewworks is next door to our office here, and I was like, hey, our guest canceled. Do you want to go record a podcast? And you're like, yep. Absolutely. And I absolutely. said, do you want to get a six-pack to go? And you're like, yep. 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 So the- <laughs> so we instead cut two six-packs to go. <laughs> Hey, it, for the record, one of them is probably to sit here at the studio for you to like just at your leisure when you can. But, you know, now, Kent has listened to the podcast, which a lot of the people that I've had haven't actually gotten to sit down and listen to an episode before. I have. So I you have. you you're kind of seeing behind the uh, behind the curtain here. I am. The yeah. last time you were at the office, I was still sitting in a cubicle. I know. I was actually kind of impressed with the with the um, digs upgrade is what I'm going to call it. We the have whole, an actual like, we have an actual studio now. office, a studio, like a wall f- with a panorama of all the successful shows that has <laughs> happened already. The like the the branding of Nelson's Greenbrier. Shout out. They should pay us more for this. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, th- so there's a lot of good things happening right now with this. And I'm really, really, really excited to both be here and be a part. So I'm going to well, say that. Well, Kent, cheers. Let's just do a click. Clink. Clink. We got that on the mic, that's for sure. We didn't get the beers opening, but, you know, we got the yeah, clink, so. We, you, oh, so you know the deal. You Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, I heard that one. <laughs> exactly. So, Kent, the way I like to start a lot of the episodes is something that you and I actually just talked about, but will you tell the audience here how you and I met years and years ago? Ab- I like people to know how people actually meet in Nashville and uh, something I didn't get to tell you is only about 50% of our listenership is local here. Most of the people listening to this show, I say most, half of the people listening to this show, I see you, Nick Rifkin, are out of town. Oh, gosh. So tell us how you met me. I'm going to put first put a segue in there and say that if you're listening from out of town, one, like, visit. Because Nashville, and I've, and I've actually traveled and lived all across this country. Nashville is amazing. Come visit. Come hang out. Come meet Aaron at any one of the Nashville Tour Stop shows. He's a, he's I'm a, not he's, a douche. Yeah, he's not a douche. He's a fun guy to be around. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So we just had this conversation earlier. And um, it was like my first week into town back in 20, 2019, I think. And we, um, I was hanging out. I, 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 I went to an open mic. I like played like an open mic at some random, I think it was Commodore in Nashville. And then met a guy there and he's like, yeah, we're all going to Belcourt. Are you coming? And I was like, I don't even know what Belcourt is, which is apparently like a, a venue that's gone defunct Belcourt since. Taps, RIP. RIP. There we, we do go. that every episode. Do we, uh, is that, we do that I, I heard that every last episode, episode and I wasn't taps, sure. RIP. Belcourt Taps, RIP. There you go. <laughs> um, but no, so I went to Belcourt Taps later that week and I was like, all right, so I'm just going to hang out, meet cool people, play some music, listen to stuff. And um, I saw this guy eating tacos at the end of the bar in a white T-shirt. Don't get me wrong. I'm meeting everybody. Like, everybody that's sitting by themselves, I'm going up and saying hi because I'm brand new to town. It's the only way you got to hustle and, like, make it in this town is getting so big so fast. So I, I was just, we were just chatting, chatting about the music, chatting about, like, the band, whoever's playing up there. I don't even know who it was. And I was just like, yeah, so you come here to this bar often. He's like, <laughs> all, the all the time. time. And I was like, 
there we go. And sure enough, yeah, uh, many, 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 many visits to Nashville Tour Stop later, I realized who you were as the owner, curator, and runner of Nashville Tour Stop. And uh, yeah, we've been friends ever since, we've I think. We've been friends for a while. Through crypto's rise and fall, through <laughs> COVID's, COVID's contagion. Okay, through- well, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's just let's just talk about our run in crypto. Oh, so gosh. Technically, technically uh, I don't endorse cryptocurrency. Mm. This is not an FDIC-approved no. investment. This is, a, yeah, that's but not, it's not. I, I put $10 into Dogecoin. <laughs> it must have been in... April or something of 2020. It Sounds was about right. Yeah. At that at that point, it was still it, it was still, I guess technically still is a coin, but a meme coin. Meme coin is meme what coin. Is, is the is the is the mainstream way of calling it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I had put ten bucks into it, and it was immediately like doing nothing. I was like, this is stupid, <laughs> and then. Kent here was like, <laughs> hey, so this thing is about to happen, and I'm over here like. This thing that I spent ten dollars mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. and you convinced me to—it was a quarter a- of a penny. It was a quarter of a penny to buy one Doge coin. I was telling everyone I met. I was telling my family. I was telling my dad. I was literally. I was like, "If you have fifty bucks, do it. Do it." I'm like, "What is the worst case? You're out fifty bucks. It's not even the price of a concert ticket. You're out fifty bucks. It's the worst Shout case out scenario." Taylor Swift. Yeah, jeez, I know, right? <laughs> But I'm like, do it. I'm like, quarter of a penny, buy into Dogecoin. And yeah, that's continue. And I I ended up investing quite a bit of money into it. And as per your recommendation, I ended up being able to put a down payment on my first house because of it, as I believe you did also. I did, yeah. So this is another thing where I can say, uh, do not invest all of your money into cryptocurrency. <laughs> This is this is this is the disclaimer portion of our show. This is the disclaimer yep, portion yep. of our show. We take no responsibility for all of your inappropriate and irresponsible actions that will follow from this. But we did ride the correct wave at the right time and we did profit a little bit off of it. Yes, we did. Yeah. And that was kind of the beginning of Kent and I kind of getting into a little bit more of like, oh, so we're more than just like jackass so- songwriters. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Well, and 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 it's that's that's a it's it's a highly entertaining, but also we don't mean to apply that to like all the songwriters in Nashville. But but there's to an extent, there's a lot of people that still show up to Nashville. I think currently right. with like a starry eyed dream and a guitar across their shoulder, they're like, oh, we're here to make be the next Taylor Swift. And you're like, I'm sorry, honey, like you're literally 25 years too late. It does not work that way anymore. I tell people that like you can't be the next Taylor Swift and do you know why? Is because Taylor Swift is still the biggest person on earth. Then they're like, "Oh, we want to be the next year Ed Sheeran." Then you're like, "No, you can't." Listen Say to what you, you just be said. The next Led Zeppelin. You're 50 years after their height. <laughs> you might be the next big rock band. But uh, but you cannot compete with Taylor Swift. I'm sorry. No. And if you try to be the next Led Zeppelin, you're going to face the exact same backlash that they did at the beginning of their career. And it's going to suck. It's going to suck. It's going to suck. <laughs> okay. So, yep. Kent, how did, how did music become part of your life? When, when did songwriting and playing and singing become part of, like, you as a person rather than just, like, the business venture? Oh, that's uh, – that is getting – now we just dove into the deep end. Folks, if you're listening – uh, we made it to the podcast. I almost, I almost said the S word. Can I say that on? You're allowed to cuss. Oh, it's got real. <laughs> Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> but no. So the the um, 
I have always, through my entire life, um, been associated with music okay. and been associated with, so my entire family's musical. We're not all like uh, um, musical careers or anything like that. My parents, my dad, my dad retired from the post office. He was a pastor for 10 years. Hey, I was a pastor kid too. I know, right? Cheers. Cheers, cheers to that. <laughs> cheers to that. I think both of our parents would like roll over. Okay. They would disapprove of our of, actions of, now. Yeah, of the beer. Sorry, so, dad. Sorry, dad. Um, I'm, no, my dad wouldn't. I, I, he, he's not like anti-drinking. He's just, he never, he's, n- he's, ne- he's <laughs> never had a drop in his life. So, you know. I respect it, but I but I also like do enjoy the the libation every once in a while. But but life can be pretty great if it, you have a beer. Sometimes. Hey, it can be it can be really fun. Um, but yeah, so all of my family and I have this is I don't I believe you know this, but I'm just gonna say it. I have eight brothers and two sisters. I do know that. Yeah, so you have a big big family. massive family, eleven kids, and and all of us are musically inclined. So no Which matter is impressive. All of the entire family, like either either was bunch. playing, right? <laughs> we would go places, and people are like, "So where's the camera crew?" We're like, "Wrong family, wrong family. We don't have that. We have the fifteen passenger van. We're all homeschooled. Like we're all jumping out and filing out and single. Like, but wrong family. Still, nonetheless. Um, but either everyone around the house was either singing or playing piano or playing guitar and um, singing in church, doing the whole church. Like I sing- did that. Yeah. So that's how I grew up. So all of that was like the upbringing, so around music and surrounded by music my entire life. And I had always treated it as something like uh, um, extra. Um, but in in right after graduating in high school, I had approached the idea of the entertainment industry. You're class of 2011, right? Yeah, class of 2011. Right. And um, we had I, had, I had considered like, you know, going to college. I had been accepted to Portland State University. And I was living in outside of Portland at the time. And I was like, all right, cool. So then I, I, I was like signing up for classes with the orientation. Then I saw the price of like the, the, the uh, classes and I was like, you're nuts, right? So $40,000 for one semester. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, student loans. It seems like a pretend amount of money. And I was like, I was like, student loans. I'm like, this is one semester. They're like, yeah. And I was like, no, there's four semesters or three. Sem- I don't even know. It's like three or four semesters in a year there. I forget. I was in, in the Midwest where I was at. There's like three but in the, like the west coast i think it's some places it's like, like, it's like four, one's four and one's three i forget which is which but i was like that's at least one hundred twenty thousand or one hundred sixty thousand dollars every year They're like yeah and i was like four years like yeah and i was like i don't want to spend that much six hundred thousand dollars for a degree and so i was floored and i was like okay i i'm not doing this i'm like i'm not about to saddle myself with literally double the cost of the national median average and american home ownership mortgages it would, t- to it get would a piece take of paper. you four years to pay it off to get a piece of paper. And I was working at the time with a, a, with several people that had degrees. And I was working for like a frozen yogurt manufacturing plant in Portland. And they were all like, oh, yeah, we got degrees. And I was talking to the R&D guys. They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, we're making great money. We're making 120 k a year. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. They're like, yeah, we have $700,000 student loan debt. And I was like. <laughs> that sounds like a pretend amount of money. I'm like, I ain't doing that. So. <laughs> So I, I out of out of almost like a hail mary, if you will, I was like, well, I've always been inter- intrigued by the entertainment industry. I've always done like if, if I had the opportunity, like plays, things like that. So I was like, okay. So I knew of a studio in Santa Monica, California, that was for actors, and it was uh, the the alumni are pretty prestigious, like Halle Berry, um, Paul Walker, R.I.P. He's like the only. Who are, they? Who are these people? Paul Walker? I'm kidding. The biggest oh my act- Some of the biggest actors on earth. I was like, all right, I, he's the only celebrity I've actually like almost cried for when he passed away. <laughs> 
Fast and Furious franchise. I'm sorry, man. When they did that, when they, they did that tribute, uh, yeah, with that was, that was, that was with, a hard, that was a hard, hard video to watch. With Charlie Puth, like it's been a long day with. Yep, that was a hard thing to watch. Long day. Yeah, and that I was, was like, a hard thing to watch. Yeah, tear to my eye for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, and uh, Paul Walker's teacher was a very, very prominent in that school, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, I'll shoot a shot. I was like, I'll audition for it. Shot uh, audition. They're like, yeah, you're in. And I was like, cool. Literally, like I'm not. I'm not going to tell the dollar amount, but it's a great experience, even no matter what field you go into, because of the the methodology of the teaching. It's a Meissner technique. But I was like, all right, so this is a fraction of the amount I can afford. This I can pay my way through this, and I'm not going to be saddled with twenty five thousand million dollars, right? And so I moved to L.A. and I moved to L.A. to go to the Santa Monica. What year was that? Uh, that was in 2012. So that was right after you graduated. Exactly. Right after I graduated, right. I moved down there. Fresh out of high school. You were a baby. I was. I was. <laughs> or no, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. You were a babe. I was I was a baby. Yeah, 2011, 2012. No, I took a year. I took a year off, and it was 2013, I moved down there. Okay. So after high school, I took a year off to kind of explore options, was admitted to Portland State, I think, fall of 2012, moved down to the Baron Brown in 2013. Correction. Ugh. Don't hate me, internet trolls. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I did that, and I did their full-on year program. Um, they have a two-year program, which I'm always invited back here to finish out the second year. But the first year was so so um, uh, educational. I got a I got a offered a role in a what was supposed to be an indie trilogy. It was this was right at the heart of the Hunger Games and the Divergent series. Right. And right along that time, there was an indie film indie film studio that was popping up in Atlanta, Georgia, and they had this script for for a film called The Rejects. And I auditioned for this show. And don't get me wrong, I, I don't get my hopes up about like indie scripts because they're all like absolute crap. And you know, as a beginning actor, ninety nine percent of the time in indie script, you're gonna go. It is terrible. But I read this script and I was like, man. This is not only a good script. This is a great story. It's a great script. It's everything. So I'm like, I really, really, really want to be a part of this. Right. So I auditioned for it, and I I got invited to like the callbacks, and we all and they flew me out to Atlanta. They're like, we're gonna we're we're gonna do this legit. And I was like, oh wow, this is real. And so I did that. Ended up getting a role in it. This was supposed to be a, like a trilogy films film series. Um, they flew me out to shoot. Like after I got the role, I was flown out to shoot the shots to shoot my to shoot my role. I did. We did all that, and I was like, "This is this is kind of cool. This is this whole film series." And they had like some like former Disney star that was an adult that was a part of this, so it seemed all really legit. Six months after the fact, the entire thing imploded. Wow, it was unbelievable. Like the entire thing just crumpled. Just gone, it was just gone out of nowhere. Just literally nothing left. That's how nothing fast it can come and go in this industry. It was unreal, especially. Yeah. That's why it's hard to get into entertainment. You really so never hard. know what's going to happen no. because stuff does happen that fast, Absolutely. and then it also goes away that, that fast. fast. <laughs> I have a second story with how it comes and goes that fast. Mm-hmm. So after that, I moved to Minneapolis. Uh, a couple of moves in between, but I was ended up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was working, doing some like side projects. I booked a couple of indie films, did those. They're available on Amazon. Don't look at them; they're actually <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but they are available on it. I don't know why I said that. Then people are going to be like, oh, who is this guy? I'll be like, oh, they're going to be like, oh, he sucks. Oh, he's, oh, oh he oh. sucks. Um, but I did them, and then I got contacted out of the blues. This was in 2018, I think, 2018. And uh, out of the blue by a Nashville-based mm-hmm. talent agency. 
and uh, the talent scout for him still in town. Mm-hmm. I, I like I still we're, we still follow each other on Instagram, but um, they t- contacted me. And they're like, "Hey, we're interested in representing you." And I was like, "Okay." okay I was cool. like, well, "Let's let's have a conversation." So we chatted about it. I met with them. They I like I met with them. They took me out to dinner in Nashville, and I was like, "What the what?" I'm like. You're like, like, am I am I a big shot? I was like this. I'm like, I'm nobody. And they just paid for a $175 dinner in Nashville. And I'm sorry, to a to a kid fresh out of high school, I'm like, yes. And ever anybody that is anybody in the entertainment industry is like, well, that's like, that's like that's nothing. That's nothing. That's nothing. But I'm like, in Nashville, that's a lot though. That's a lot, especially for the entertainment here, man. Um, so they did, and I was like, "All right, let's in. I'm in." So I signed with them. Uh, they actually did get me a couple of uh, several, several good auditions. I audi- auditioned for Disney Plus, um, auditioned for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a role with like uh, a, a Carl's Jr. commercial. Um, I, I remember you were also in a Dustin Lynch video, right? Yep. I which never aired. So it never du- aired. Dustin Lynch. I got I got a role for a Dustin Lynch music video, um, and then COVID hit, and they never released the song. Never released the song. And I've been I've literally been watching for the release of that song for so forever. So it's, it's just banked. Yeah, somewhere. So somewhere in the for those vaults. of you who are Dustin Lynch fans, there might be a new one. Yeah, exactly. Someday, right. someday, someday. It's like six years from now, you're gonna look at that video and be like, "That's me." That's me doing it. Like I was a younger man. I was a younger man doing a backflip or a, <laughs> either a backflip or a front flip off a boat or something. That's what I was doing. But they paid me for it and I didn't care. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So after that, then COVID hit and it actually, sadly, my, so my agency turned out to be a boutique agency. They were doing great, but then COVID hit and it wiped them out. And um, just as fast, my agency dissolved and back to square one. Back to square one, as it were. I feel like most of us come to Nashville when we start at square one. Ah, sounds about right. See, what I love about this town is that it kind of levels the playing field of everybody who moves here. It's like, I was the best person back in my hometown. Oh, back gosh. In, in f- for, my, for my case, like, I was the best guitar player in Columbia, Missouri, and then I moved here, and I quit talking so loud. Yeah, yeah, you quit playing. Yeah, <laughs> Who, I, are you <laughs> Who are you fooling? Yeah, it, it, it's a damning reality to come to this town and realize just how freaking good everyone is. Yeah. All of the time. Well, and this is the ex- and the expression I know, and I'm sure many, many people that listen to this are going to know this expression as well. It's, it's called it's considered the big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. And the 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 correlation of that is there is a the, people have done studies with this. If you take a shark at a minnow and you throw it into an aquarium, it will only grow to the size of the aquarium. And we have to give the a shout out. He is not saying it backwards. This is not the. Uh, Small fish in a big pond. He is no. deliberately saying it. This big direction. fish in a small pond. Yeah. Yes, because uh, if you take a shark, if you take a shark and you drop them into an aquarium, they will only grow so they will grow to like six inches to the to the ability to survive in the aquarium. But you take that same shark, drop them in the ocean, they'll grow to twelve feet. Right. And so the idea of a big fish in a small pond is sure you can be the biggest thing, which is six inches in a tiny aquarium, and you're going to beat every other minnow and goldfish is there. Sure, but then you drop yourself in the ocean, and suddenly you got twelve feet sharks roaming around. You're going to get be eaten like, Alive. Yeah, you're dead. You're dead, or you grow to survive. Right. So, yeah, that's that's kind of why I love this town is because you come to town and you realize you're like, oh shit, I can't just coast on no. how I was when I moved here. You are, I don't want to say, evolutionarily filtered out. You have to get better. Yeah, you have to, and that's that's what I like to look at from my my perspective as somebody who books shows. There's hundreds of people who book shows in town. But there's only so many of us who are able to do it, shall we say, professionally, who get to Absolutely. make a career out of it. Absolutely. And it's the same way with, with writing songs or playing the guitar or whatever facet of the industry you want to say. It's like you have to be the best. 
And yes, sorry to quote Pokemon, but I want to be the very best like no one ever was. You have to. <laughs> and there is no alternative because if you come to town and you're like, oh, I'll, I'll be a guitar player. Like I'll, I'll be I'll be someone's guitar player. You won't. You have to come to town and be like, I'm going to be your guitar player. And there is not a second option. Yeah, there is no plan B. There is no I'm going to do this or you have yeah. to come to town and be like, I'm going to make it. There is no I'm going to be a coffee shop person in the morning. Quit your coffee shop job. If if you think you got it, give it a go because the coffee shop will be waiting for you. Twelve bucks an hour whenever you're done. And that's and that that lends itself to a lot of a lot of um, uh, uh, just a lot of really 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 well thought through processes and thought processes from some really even well renowned thinkers. I think Simon Sinek has said something exact very similar to what you just said, and um, or um, Alan Watts. Alan Watts mm-hmm. is like my go to like like the dude is like a genius, but he's like in the twenties and thirties. And I'm gonna paraphrase everything they've kind of the the the, the multi-generational wisdom that they've they've passed down but the idea of the 20s and 30s if you don't know what you want to do it's like it's just no problem with that it's not it's not an issue it's not bad to not be focused yet no but like in your 20s if you graduate from college and you're 22 and you want to go do something i mean go do it why not I mean, what, what what do you have to lose? I mean, truly, what do you have to lose? But but at the by the same token, if you're the, I think I think I, I'm not going to try to ascribe this to someone, but it's not my own quote. It says, "If a man does not know to what port he is sailing, there is no wind that is favorable." Right, and that is just an age old. Wi- it's it's a it's a it's a it's a proverb basically. But it's just like if you don't know where you want to go, you're gonna have the fastest ship. On the sea, and you're gonna have the greatest headwind or the greatest tailwind to drive you there. You'll never go anywhere. But you don't know where you want to go, so you've got an anchor to the bottom of the ocean, being like, "All right, cool, cool. We're gonna sit here and we're just gonna chill and watch everyone." So that's where I think you're right. Like, if you if you want to come, if you want to go, do it. I mean, truly, go do it. And because the the day job in your hometown will always be there. Absolutely. It will always be there. And I, I really kind of hate Absolutely. saying that because I have had to be the person who has told my friends, don't quit your day job. I have had to be the person to give the sad reality of like, your health insurance is pretty great right now. Do not give that up just because like you want to make it. I've had to be the person to say some to say to, say to some of my friends sometimes like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Because... The reality is that and, – and it's a kind of a self-awareness thing, I think. Sure. Yeah. You have to see these people who are just it's, – it's not sometimes a I've learned how to do X. It is this God-given ability that you just it – is, it is in you. The X factor. It is exactly like – it's either there or it's not, man. It's either there's there a, or it's there's not. There's a songwriter named Ryan Larkins who you're of familiar course, yeah. with, who is one of these people. Shout in out town. Ryan! Shout out Ryan Larkins. We're gonna ha- we actually have him scheduled for a podcast. Yes, a, but he's he is. I, I gosh, I cannot say enough nice things about him. He is one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Anytime you talk to him, he's he just talks kind of slow, and you hang on every word he says. Sounds like sounds like the Daniel Day Lewis impersonation of Abraham Lincoln Thank back you. in the film Lincoln. That's exactly what it sounds like. But the They're like there's a severe gravitas just being he like He just played a Nashville tour stop show and 
I don't know if you knew this, but his first cut as a songwriter, he got a big pub deal. His first cut was with Dolly Parton. I did not know his that. His first cut was with Dolly Parton. And if you're cheers to that and congrats, if you're man. List, cheers, cheers to Ryan. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what the terminology a cut means, it means you wrote a song and an artist is recording it. That's what a cut means. But his first song that an artist cut was with Dolly Parton. Then, if you and, and if you don't know who Dolly Parton is, one go home. Turn this podcast off. No, don't do that. We don't want to alienate anyone. <laughs> we're, we're like we're we're very welcoming here, but also you should probably like that shadow that's hanging. That's called a rock. Like just really push it off and like explore the world. But you have heard Dolly's music before. Yeah, everyone's everyone heard Dolly. has everyone's heard, her heard Jolene. Come on, who has not heard Jolene? I will always love you. One of the greatest songwriters of all time. What's funny is I thought I will always love you was a Whitney Houston original. It's not. It's not. It's Do- did no. you did you know the story that Dolly wrote I will always love you and Jolene in the same day? No. She wrote those songs the same day. So okay, so Ryan Larkin's first song cut was with Dolly Parton. And then he just he's he he opens his sip by saying, I'm gonna play some songs that <laughs> that I've never One gotten. One of the most humble guys, man. Humble I've guys. I've never gotten to play live in front of an audience before. Yep. I'm like, oh sweet. Hell yeah, that sounds great. He played three songs. His Dolly Parton cut. Yeah. Cool. And then two new cuts he's getting. Cody Johnson. Oh, nice. And Tim McGraw. Cody. Oh <sighs> dude. His first, those are his first three cuts. So if you're listening to this and you're like, who is this guy? He is one of the greatest he's songwriters the next, in Nashville. He's the next Shan McNally. If you he don't know who is, that is, you're probably yes. new, to, new, new to songwriting. <laughs> he, he is one of the greatest songwriters in Nashville. And it's not, it's not just me being a, a fan of his. It is, he is objectively one of the greatest songwriters. Exactly, and and Shane McNally, I don't mean to just throw shit at you, so if you're by some miracle listening to this... Yes, call, Shane, if you're listening, call shout us. out, we'd love to have you on. Yes! <laughs> we better make him laugh with that exchange, <laughs> yeah. otherwise we're both toast in Nashville. <laughs> well, hey, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll come right back with the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Nashville Tour Stop Podcast. Thank you for being here, Mr. Kent Dean. We took ourselves a quick, I would, I would say quick break. We honestly, that was a little bit of an extensive commercial break. Yeah, but if you if you don't actually time out the commercials, nobody knows the difference. So you Yeah, know, and we're, in, we're an ad-free podcast right now. So. AKA, uh, AKA. You're welcome. We got rid of that shit. Coca-Cola, sponsor us. <laughs> Shoot for the stores, man. Pepsi. I don't like Pepsi that much, but <laughs> if you want to give us money, we'll tell people to drink Mountain Dew. There we go. That'll work. Yeah. My, okay. Ooh, so Mountain Dew's the jam, though. Mountain Dew is. If you're a jam. desperate on a long actually, road trip, actually, Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew, man. I'll, I'll drink some Mountain Dew. Same. Okay. So right now, here in front of us, we're gonna we're gonna crack our second beer. So crack it right on the mic. Kent Dean, put it right there by the microphone. This is our new beer. Hit it. Let's do it. Oh fuck! I missed it. I nailed it, so there we go. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. Cheers, buddy. So we're not uh, we're not being paid to promote this shit right now, but we are drinking the uh, Tennessee Brew Works Extra Easy English Ale. It's really good. It's, it's one am- of my favorites. It's, it's, an, it's it, an amber ale. It's an amber with light notes of citrus, really easy drinking. feels like a summer day. Yeah. So yeah, Tennessee Brew Works, if you want to sponsor the podcast, that's not a conflict of interest. 
It's not. No, we we will welcome it. We will welcome it. So and I go I go to the this not the distillery the brewery pretty much almost all the time. So it doesn't matter. I would del- I would be delighted if you would pay me to drink your beer. I love how because half- I've been paying you to drink your beer for a while. <laughs> and I love how half of our show is literally devolved <laughs> into just into just like advertisement pitches being like, come sponsor us. We're great. And see, okay, so that's a that's a good segue into what I like to talk about is a lot of people talk to me about tour stop and they're like, Well, how do you get sponsors? How do you how do you get people to advertise on your show? And Sure. I'm sorry I'm gonna sound like an ass, but the very short answer is that I ask. True. It's true. And that this- is that is the long and short of it. If you're looking for sponsors, ask. True. The the long and short of it is if you don't ask, they're going to say no because they're not saying anything. And yep. that's that's kind of how I got uh, my, my confidence with dating is the same way. It's like – Oh, absolutely. If, you, if absolutely. you don't go up and ask a girl for her number, the answer is always no. I want to go into that story of asking for a girl's number in just a second. But, but, but as a pastor's kid, I feel bound, bound to say this. It's like, it's the, it's the age old, it's the age old passage, which says ask and it should be given to you. Seek and you're a pastor's kid too. Seek and you will find, knock and it'll be opened. And it's, it goes beyond the spiritual and the religious to also, um, the tenacity and, mm-hmm. and, and the passion behind it. There was a, I forget his name, but there was a, there was a story when Thomas Edison was prior to inventing the light bulb. And I, I genuinely wish I could remember this guy's name because it was such an inspiring story. I remembered the story, but I forgot the guy's name. So, I mean, take this as, a, as you will. Like, make a name for yourself, but also be tenacious, I guess is the moral of the story. But um, he had this vision. He's like, I want to work for Thomas Edison. And he's like a, a, a factory worker. He's got a wife. He's got a kid. He's got nothing else going for him. But he's like, I want to work for Thomas Edison. He goes, and he literally quits his job. He goes across the country to Thomas Edison prior to the light bulb invention. He's like, hey, I need to work for you. And doesn't he doesn't get the time of day, but he's like, what do you need right now? And he's like, okay. well, can you go get me this? And he's like, sure. Goes and gets it. Goes and gets it and comes back. And this goes back to um, this goes all the way back. And, and he ended up working with him for like a while. But this goes back to something another another um, very well known. He's modern. Simon Sinek, he said, and he's like, if you are someone that knows what you want to do and you have a passion behind it. Go up to the person, to the mentor, and to the to the to the if you to part, the apex predator, to the penultimate individual of that field, and tell them, "You don't know who I am, but I bring something that a lot of these folks that are trying to work for you don't. I bring passion, and I bring effort, and I bring I bring I bring some I bring that to the field. I bring that to the playing field. So, give me this. Give me this opportunity. I will work for you for free for six months." If. And if at the end of six months' time you think I'm not worth your time, I will go my way, you will go your way, and we will both be fine. You're not out of anything. I have earned some experience, and we're great. But if at the end of six months' time I have proved myself to be valid and valuable to you as an employee, then we can negotiate a salary that is commensurate to what I bring to your company and to your, into your vision, and we will go from there. I love that. I freaking love that. I wish that at graduating from high school, someone had told me that because I would have been like, absolutely. I'm going to move to Hollywood. I'm going to find some mega, mega director. I'm going to be like, can I be your assistant right now for free? free. For free. 
I don't want money. I don't want credit. I don't want anything. I just want you to see how much effort and passion and productivity I will bring to your enterprise. And then in six months time, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so indispensable. He's going to be like, all right, I'm going to pay you at least how much these other PAs are getting. And I'll be like, done. I get to quit my job at Starbucks or my Buffalo Wild Wings. I've worked at both. So that's why those two come to mind. <laughs> Not being paid. Don't care. But like, but that idea. And so that passion and that drive and that vision, being able to, to pursue it and to be like, absolutely there are people all who in. won't do that. No, go all in. Go all in, man. So I like to, I want, I want to jump right, right next to that is because uh, in Nashville, because the talent in this town is so outrageous. Absolutely. One of the things I recognized really early on, my talent isn't going to be enough. I yeah. had enough self-awareness to realize I am not a good enough singer and or songwriter and or guitar player. I'm good at all of them, but I'm not the best. Sure. So, so when I first started here, I realized that it was okay. I can't, I can't be the best at everything, but what I can be the best at is working hard. So what I did is I got a job at a shitty bakery that I ended up getting shut down because it was so terrible. But what happened is they hired me and I was working from 3 a.m. until noon every day. And it's because I needed a job that paid enough money to pay my rent, but also let me be available to play any gig at night that I needed to play. Yeah. And as a consequence of that, I never slept. I made terrible money and I got to play every gig I wanted to be part of. Sure. And then I kind of realized you can do both. You'll hate your life, but when one hits the fan, you can realize I know how to do this. I know how to play music Absolutely, full time. Yeah. Now. I know how to actually contribute myself to the community, to the job, to the thing that I'm trying to be part of. And that is what I'm trying to tell the people that are listening is if you want to move here, whether it be Nashville, Chicago, L.A., New York, it doesn't matter. There are people like me who are willing to work 3 a.m. to noon to be able to play from 8 p.m. until midnight to sleep in their car for two and a half hours in a pink t-shirt to go make cupcakes that go stale. There are people like me willing to do that that aren't willing to do other things. We are only willing to do the things that will put us in a position to make success. Absolutely. And there are other people who are only willing to work from nine to five, and then they're only going to be willing to have X and Y and Z. And then they're not going to be able to see these tangible results of, I don't get to play shows anymore. I don't sure. get to do X and Y because they own, they, they're not willing to make the sacrifice to do the thing long term. Yeah. They're not willing to wake up at 2.30 in the morning and drive into Nashville and see, did you know there's a rush hour at three in the morning? Yeah. It's a weird rush <laughs> hour. It's kind of a swervy it's getting hour. worse too. It's getting worse. The more the test town grows, yeah. it's getting so much but worse. Man. It's proof. It's like there are people willing to do everything. So if you're not willing to do everything, you won't make it. And that's why I try to tell people if you want to try to be in this town, buckle up. Well, and I while I agree with the sentiment behind like, and this is this especially applies to the creative arts. And I was I was literally just talking to you earlier about this uh, this podcast I was listening to with Scott Galloway, and it's the idea that the sexier the job is, the more like high profile, high energy, like oh you're that guy like on a billboard chart, if you will. But the sexier the job is, 
the more concentration of people want it mm -hmm. and the higher the higher the competition will be for you to get it so it doesn't mean don't go for it but to your point of being like if this is what you're trying to do to 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 excel and to succeed and to survive in a town i don't i i'm going to play devil's advocate for a second and be like don't don't not to discourage you from coming to nashville or to from pursuing your dream or from pursuing a passion but just to prepare you being like this is it's about to be really hard this is this is the level of of what people are willing to commit this is people go 18 20 hours without sleep for weeks on end day after day after day and i i've done that i mean i've and i'm not putting myself as a as a as a as a metric for success by any stretch of the imagination like i while i consider myself to be mildly successful and i and and i continue to pursue excellence and to pursue success I don't consider myself to be the beacon of excellence as for someone else to 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 put on their mantle to be like right. I want to be like this guy right now but also just to understand that this is the level this is who we are as pursuers of excellence though this is what we're willing to do right now and have in the past and if you're not willing to wake up at 2:30 in the morning to go do the work you're gonna have a harder time i'm not gonna say you won't make it yeah but you're gonna have a harder time making it because there are people who are willing to do that and uh hugh g rapper you know i do he yeah. just told me he got a, a daytime barista job i say daytime he's going to work at 4 a.m to start making coffee in the morning and he's he's had actually quite a bit of success as a hip-hop artist in nashville but it's because he wants to be able to provide for his girlfriend and stuff he's like I'm not doing enough for my personal life. I want to be able to do more. And yeah. there are people who are willing to put it in. He was at my show until midnight last night. He was there for five hours. There are people who are willing to put in both the daytime hours, if you will, and the nighttime hours. And if you can't buckle up to do that, yeah, you're going to. You're gonna fall behind the people who are willing to do I that. I, I feel like our show is has devolved into this like, don't come to Nashville unless you're willing to go 135 <laughs> <laughs> percent. And, and I feel bad, but I'm but I'm also like I'm like, I'm also of the opinion that I, that it, that it's 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 somewhat true. Like, if you have this passion inside of you that 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 can't be tamed, this flame that you can't put out. Just be prepared to pay the price for that because there's a price for the passion. There's a price. For the the up, there's not only a price for the passion and the price for the success. There's a, there's a price. There's a there's a there's an admission price for the opportunity. Now you must be this tall to ride the roller coaster. And exactly to put it bluntly, so it's while well, yes, this and I've and I listen to podcasts all the time. I listen to those that have well beyond my own means. Like I'm sorry, like penultimate success means like like to the extreme that I only dream of right now. And they say that, yes, this life is amazing. And they say that it's worth the price that you pay for, for 10 years, for, for 15 years in the trenches, going with no sleep, working 24 hours a day for, for like four days in a row, getting like eight hours sleep, then going at it again, or 12 hours a day for like seven days in a week, out of the week, every single week for two or three years. And while that's, that's, admirable we look at them and we say oh my goodness we we applaud we say good job phenomenal if you're not willing to do that yourself do you think you can compete nope. it's, it's, it's like it's like me going up to tom brady and i'm sorry i used to hate tom brady but now i'm a tom brady stan <laughs> but it's like me going to tom brady and being like i'm sorry i'm gonna go qb against this guy and i'm gonna hold we're not go gonna toe -to -toe. talk about football but we will talk about tom brady absolutely man <laughs> 
The dude's a beast. That dude is a beast. And not only is he just a beast, he never stops. Isn't he never the oldest stops. quarterback in the NFL now? Not quite. Not there, quite. There's a guy that beat him back like 30, 30, 40 years ago. I don't even know his name. Like he was 40. He's the oldest working absolutely, quarterback. Absolutely working. Well, and, and this was something that was remarkable, and we can all learn from people of success. And and Tom Brady, in in no short order, is a symbol of success. Yeah, he's he's forty five years old. That makes that makes him officially the oldest. I mean, the next oldest close, active, the, the oldest next active. closest uh, quarterback is thirty eight. That's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's that's a, a full seven years. And in pro sports, that's huge. It's that massive. is a massive margin. Well, and I was, and I, and I went into a deep dive of Tom Brady because when he was with the Patriots and they had the whole dynasty of Tom Brady and the Patriots, they never lose. That was, I'm a, sorry. that was a dynasty. I'm, it, oh, it was a dynasty. Like the 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 th- <laughs> three wins, three Super Bowl wins in a row, or something, or two wins. Yeah. I'm sorry. When they had the 18 and 0 season, I was all with. I think it was Nick Foles and the Eagles, and I was like, I'm. I wanted anybody. I did not care. I'm like, beat this guy. No one. I'm sorry. No one is this good. No one is this good. He'll, he'll, Tom Brady will go down in NFL history as the greatest of, of the, all time. One of the best QBs, if not the best of Sing, all time. S- stands, stands alone on his own with every record to prove it in the entirety of NFL history. Best quarterback the of all greatest time. quarterback of all time. I hated him. For the entire time he was with the Patriots, I was like, I didn't care much about football, but I'm like, no one's this good. You've got a good court coach. You've got a great team. You, by yourself, are not this good. Then he went to Tampa Bay. <laughs> then he went to Tampa Bay. <laughs> he went to Tampa Bay, and I'm like, I'm like, ha-ha, we're going to watch this guy fall apart. He's... And he won the Super Bowl. You you kind of you you kind of want to see these people fail, and then when they su- still succeed, you're like, ah, okay, I got you. That's exactly right. <laughs> he won the Super Bowl, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Till till the day he retires for sure and is no longer in the NFL, I will consider him the greatest, and I will root for him to win every single game he plays. Because I'm like, no, it's not like only, Michael Jordan in the '90s. Not only did I despise the fact that he won all the time. I was gleeful. I was like, you were going to lose now. You were with the worst You strive recorded. for their failure. The Buccaneers are the worst recorded NFL <laughs> team in the history of the game. They have more losses versus wins than anyone Any else. team ever. And he went with them in the first season he wins the Super Bowl. And I'm like, well... You're like, okay, well, it's a direct proof that if you have the good people, <laughs> you, you win. Will win. And I was like, all right, so Tom Brady, you is are that, the greatest of all time. It's not a name. It is, it is. It is not the name of a franchise. It's not the stadium. It's literally you, you, you. It's literally <laughs> you. And, and after that, I was like, all right, I root for you every year now. So last year, I was all, I was all Tom Brady in, and this year, I'm still rooting for him. I'm like, come on, buddy. I feel like he's gonna probably retire sometime in the next couple of years. Sure, yeah. He is. Has he announced his formal retirement nope. yet? Because I remember seeing it was Sadly, before, he just it was got before this season. There was a lot of hearsay that he was going to retire. He did. Technically. For 40, 45 days, 48 days, something like that. <laughs> he was retired. He was and, retired, yeah. And then someone offered him millions and millions of dollars. He was like, okay. Then he got divorced and it got really sad. Honestly, so. if somebody offered me uh, a million something dollars to go play for the 49ers, I'd go. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Somehow we're on to football, so... Man, this is actually the most sports talk we've ever had on the National Tour Stop podcast. But it's appropriate, though, because it's 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 a pursuit of excellence. It is a pursuit of excellence. And both both what you do as a promoter and as a concert promoter for musicians and as a as a venue that hosts opportunities for musicians and as someone that also holds business standards and musicianship to the highest standards. And as myself, an entrepreneur and a songwriter and someone that 
that pursues excellence and success in every aspect. We look at people that have succeeded in every field, whether that is sports. And you want to know why. Yeah, exactly. Whether that's sports or business or music. music all of the above, it's, it's it's an ass. It's it's understanding. Like, what is it that drives you? How are you the way you are? Why are you the? How are you this good? And a lot of times, it's not specifically business practice. No. Sometimes it is very specifically personality and True. interpersonal relation dynamic. True. A lot of it is how you are able to speak with people. That's absolutely it is, right. It is how you are able to interact with another person. Because I've known people who are plenty talented mm-hmm. that can't find success because, I'll be frank with you, they're d- on stage and you don't want to be around them. If this, if you, if you think this is your problem, watch the show, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Yes, that is a great show. Watch that film with Matt Damon and understand that. In what he does, I'm not condoning what he does, but understand the ability and the doors that it opens to just be able to converse with people, to talk to them in a language they understand, and to not come across like, A, you're better than them, B, you're a freaking douchebag that has daddy's money that's just going to lord it over everyone, and then C, you you just understand that there is a certain level of, in a certain opportunity zone that opens up when you have that, but don't. But you can take advantage of it, but don't lord it over them or else they're going to – they will hate you and they'll shut you out. It'll backfire eventually. Absolutely. It'll backfire eventually. Let's see. How's your beer doing? I don't want to rush you, but I feel like we're due for a, for another uh, – for another. Let's do another. So we've got another beer here. Hit it. Hit it. Clink, clank. Indeed. Hit it. That was the most – that was the most like that was, that was, on, on point clink. And yeah, we, we kind of crushed it. We did. <laughs> Like we're crushing it in life. Yeah, kind of like we're crushing these beers. <laughs> oh, geez. So did you know that the reason – so we do the cheers. We click our bottles. So we go Kay. clink. And I know you've been at a bar where you pound it on, pound the, it table on the table also. Yep. Do you know why you do that? I do not. I just learned. I knew the social program, so I always clinked and so pounded and I, drank, but I, I don't know why. I just learned what that actually means. What? So oh, my goodness. You, what? You, you do clink to us. Yes. And then you do clink to the bar. No, you is it to, to the, the bar? table because it is cheers to the bar. Oh, I'm never gonna clink this again at bars. That's, that suck. <laughs> I'm gonna clink to the, each other, and I'm never gonna pound it. it, is, to the it bar. is cheers to us, cheers to the establishment, and drink to that. That's amazing. That's amazing. No, I will definitely. I'm gonna use this now and very and very consciously be like, I will clink to you, but I will not pound it to this bar because I'm giving this money to them begrudgingly because they suck. Okay, so there's a few uh, bars I can think one of. One of the things I do like to ask people is, uh, people especially who don't live in Nashville. Sure, we do have people listening who come here. They listen to the podcast. They come to the shows. They want to kind of get a flavor of what Nashville is actually like. Okay, where are places in town that you like to go to? So before we get into the the rabbit hole, let's sure. just talk about what are some of the bars that you like to go to? Bars, restaurants, places that have live music. Uh huh. Where are the places that you actually like to go? Um, so, oh, that's, that's a great question. I will do, um, one of my go-tos, literally go-tos every time I'm in town is Live Oak on Demumbrian. And my buddy Hayson runs it. Demumbrian is a street in Midtown Nashville. Correct. Just, yep. in, just yep. in case. I forget, I forget, I forget. Like, oh, when I first got the town, I called it Demon Brune. Demon Brune. I got out of a ticket because I called it Demon Brune. Demon Brune. 
oh my goodness. And I'm like, how the frick do you pronounce and I, I'm like, it? Is, it's spelled D-E-M-O-N-B-R-E-U-N. Yes. If you've ever been to town, you've been like Demon Brune and people look at you funny. Yeah, we've all been there. It just means you haven't been to town long enough to pronounce yep. it the way it's supposed to be, which is Demumbrian. So I, I was driving on Demumbrian and I had lived here for about two years. But the best part is that I had just gotten my first official Nashville driver's license. Oh, nice. My Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, not my Antioch, Tennessee. I got my Nashville, Tennessee driver's license, and I was driving to, actually, it's funnily enough, Live Oak. Live Oak, Oak. yes. And back- Shout out, Hasten. Shout out. But when I was driving there, it used to be called Frisky Frogs. Yep. So this was quite a while ago. 2018, I think, was Frisky Frogs. That was 2018. Yep, yep. So I was driving to Frisky Frogs at the time. And I was driving on 8th Avenue and DeMundbrian, and I was turning up to go to Frisky Frogs. I had a gig. And a police officer pulled me over. Yep. I pull into a parking lot, and he goes, excuse me, sir, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, I, I do not. And I he don't. goes, yeah. well, you ran that red light back there. And I responded, no, I didn't. <laughs> and he comes back with, well, you cut that lady off. Oh, gosh. And I responded with, being an asshole is not against the law. And he goes, well, yes. I don't know this story, so I'm waiting for you to finish. <laughs> and I'm sitting there in my car's. This this police officer clearly had like a ticket quota he's trying to meet, and he's like, "Well, yes, cutting that lady off is not a not a crime." Yeah, and I'm and I'm like, "Okay, so now what do we do?" So so I'm sitting here I'm sitting here like uh, uncomfortably waiting for you to like not make a fool out of yourself because you're obviously an enforcement of the law, but also you know you're wrong. So please, how do we get out of this amicable? Where I, I don't so get a ticket. I look, I look at him square in the eye and say, "So what do we do now?" I didn't break a law, and you know I didn't break a law. And he goes, "Well, where are you going?" And I was like, "I'm going to this place on Demon Brune." He goes, <laughs> <laughs> "You're new in town, ain't you?" I was like, yeah, I just moved here. Wink, wink. I lived here for two years or something. And he goes, oh, man, do you know how to use that app Google Maps? <laughs> I was like, no. What's that? And he tells me, he's like, oh, so you just top in the place you want to go, and it tells you how to get there. I'm like, wow. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. He's like, I'm going to this place called Frisky Frogs. He goes, man, that's right up the street. You drive safe. You park up there. You drive safe. And I'm like. Thank you, officer. I'll drive safe. This guy sounds like he's 89 years old. But I, it's the only time I've ever kind of come back to a law enforcement officer and be like, I didn't break the law. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. You know I didn't break the law, but you were kind of hoping I'd confess to something. Yep. But by golly, I got out of a ticket. <laughs> with Demon Brune. With Demon Brune. Yeah. De- the truth is, yeah, if you, can, if you come to town and you want to try to get out of a ticket, you got one. Yeah. You say, call it Demon Brune. Say Demon Brune. Demon Brune. Yeah. <laughs> so Live Oak is a place you like to hang out. Tell us why. There's good shows there. I know the deal, but tell us why you like to hang out there. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Live. Yeah, no. That's a West Coast phrase. When you say like, yeah, no. 
Meaning yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, meaning yeah. It's a West Coast. I used it's to like, live in... It's like three words oh, all put it's together. it's freaking annoying, man. I thought I got rid of it when I moved out here. I, I really yeah, did. Yeah, that'll never go away. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, no. Yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. But I mean, yeah, right? Or or no, yeah, no. Uh, we won't go down that route. Please, no. No, no, no. No, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah, but no. Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Oh my goodness, the number of places I've lived that has so many dumb colloquialisms that are just like, yeah, no, yeah, or no, yeah, no, or no, no, yeah, or yeah, yeah, no, but like, no. And Fuck each, no. each one of those things means something different. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, please no, stop, yeah. please stop, please stop. Um, But no, yeah, no. Um. <laughs> Get the f*** out of here. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. So, um, Live Oak is one of my all-time favorite. They have one of the best sound stages in Nashville for, for live music. I've played there multiple times. It As is, have I. From, As have from I. the stage, from the performer's perspective, it is, it's, it's one of the only stages in town where you were actually able to hear yourself play it's not only that which is so true but from the audience perspective it's genuinely enjoyable it feels like you're at concert quality sound and the because they didn't skimp on putting in good stuff no of course no absolutely not the guy that owns it he's a buddy of mine name is hasten and he's he's he genuinely he told me he's like when they were opening they wanted it to be one of those venues that when people came in they felt like they were at a show and you are. You are at a show. It doesn't matter who's playing upstage. Like, and there's a lot of venues that will skimp. Oh, gosh. We could go into a di- whole digress yeah, about those. There is a long list of venues that when you go to it and see, you guys know as our, our fans listening, I've talked about how much hearing I've lost over the years. It's not because of going to shitty venues, but it's because of whatever the fuck is going on in my head. But it's nice when I go to these bad yeah. venues. I don't have to technically listen. I can so take true. my ears out. And it, there there are very few venues in this town where I will actually, shall we say, tolerate yeah. what's happening. And Live Oak is one of those venues that's just good. It is very it good. It sounds good every time. It's loud. Don't not, get me wrong. And don't but not only that though. This is also you asked me why I like these places. I'm I'm not a hyper successful multimillionaire that can spend four billion dollars on anything and go to. So Live Oak, if you come to town, it's it's good money spent. Like you want a drink? You want a, like a bush light if you're from like the three Midwest? Bucks, right? Three bucks, three fifty for a bush light or something like that. If you want a mixed drink, you pay like five bucks. If you go downtown, you're paying double. At least double or double. triple. At least double. A Bud Light on Broadway, the cheapest one is $9. Yeah, whereas you can get it here for like $3.50, I think. Yep. And Bush Lights, Bush, Bush or Bush are, Lights, 3 bucks. There are few venues in Nashville that don't overcharge. And it, it, it's one of the things that you and I haven't ever talked about as businessmen, but it's yeah. uh, it's kind of this Walmart model where if you mm-hmm. sell at a lower price, you'll sell more in volume and yep. you'll make up for the lower price because you're selling more. Absolutely. And that's what a lot of these bars don't realize. And Broadway, I, w- I will honestly say, is probably immune to that bubble. It is immune, yeah. But there are a lot of places where like- the hottest oh, we tourist ha- spot in the country. Exactly. We have to sell- food and drink for w- really expensive because this is the margin that we have to meet. But what they don't realize is that you're you're pricing out the people that want to come to your bar. Yeah. You're pricing out the people that want to come to your shows. And uh, that's another thing that we can talk about from our perspective, both is uh, independent musicians. Sure. If you have any control of the ticket price, 
you're going to price out people who would be there, who would spend, let's say, $10 on a ticket, and then would also sit and hang out with you and drink for the entire night. Versus if you charge $20 for a ticket, people are going to look at it and be like, eh. Speaking of ticket prices, I'm going to offer your listeners an insider tip. Okay, let's talk about ticket prices. For not only ticket prices, but also for investments. So here's my story. So uh, before we get into it, uh, Kent is a very savvy investor of all kinds. <laughs> and we're not going to get into it, but he he's just a he, – he's he, – honestly, you'll probably be retired by the time you're 40. If uh, not, if not sooner. Oh gosh, my my like my stretch goal is to be retired by I'm 32. So my yeah, my, my standard goal, like uh, like if 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 crap like goes to pieces, it's gonna be 35. But like right now, the stretch is 32, and by 40, oh my gosh, I'm I will have already like bought so, and sold my first like multi million dollar <laughs> business. By by 40, I, I by 40, I've. I have my own private jet. Like, so, who are talk, we so talk about this perspective you have as an investor in uh, whatever it is that you do, real estate, stocks, whatever. But talk about what what you're you're coming into beyond just uh, your position as an independent musician, because mm-hmm. there's you're a multifaceted person. There's so much yep. more to who you are, more than just your music and your artistry. Talk about what is it that made you want to get into that. Is it just the desire to, I want to retire young, or is it, is is there some kind of internal compulsive thing to like, I want to accomplish X? It's it's both. So there's there's this both driving passion that says I have to accomplish, and I and I've met people. I have, as we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, I have eight brothers, and there are a it's number a of big them. family, it's massive, but you also have myriad personalities behind it, and um. A number of them do not have the same drive, and I've had to realize this, that this is not— Which, which position in age are you of the, of I have, the siblings? I have four older brothers and four younger brothers. Four youngers, gotcha. So I'm smack dab in the middle. Gotcha. So you are the bona fide middle, middle child, child. Of, the tr- of the boys, yeah. So there's two older sisters, but I discount them in the equation because they're girls. <laughs> I'm sorry! They're my sisters. So, so there are technically six older siblings? Yes. And four younger siblings. Yes. Gotcha. And you are, and I know there's a lot of people who have, so I have step siblings. I have half siblings. Are all, there, they are all whole siblings. All you are, full you are siblings. All my of parents, the same two parents. My same two parents have been married for now 40, 47, 47 that's crazy. years, I think it that's is a, now. Honestly, that's no, awesome. No, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's over 50. Is it over 50 now? It's we over. Are, it's we over are in 50 the year years. of our Lord, twenty twenty two. Blake Shelton. My oldest brother is twenty. Is ten years younger than my. No, no. My my oldest brother is ten years older than the second oldest. I'm so confused. Um, this is the problem. When 20, there's 20, kids. There are twenty <laughs> years between the oldest and the youngest. The oldest brother is, I believe, forty. Forty. Two, which means my oldest, my my dad is sixty two, which means is they've been married for forty one years, forty three years, something like that. So that's that's where it's at. So, but irregardless of the age differences, which is myriad, like it's almost a generational difference between my oldest brother and myself. The personality differences are amazing to me. Like, 
a few of my brothers have do I, I've realized this and I've and I've talked to them. We're all still super close. We all have it like my entire family still has a family text, family group chat that annoys me to no end when it goes because off. Because if if one person messages it, 20 people respond back at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I hate that. And I'm like, OK, silenced. We're not doing this. <laughs> but regardless of that, irregardless of that, I should say, um, the myriad personalities that go on beyond behind those scenes. Because that's a lot of people that are very different. Absolutely. And I've realized that the the passion behind the drive, and I, I told my brother, there's one specific brother I'm thinking about when I'm talking about this. And we had this discussion back when I was just graduating high school. And I was trying to make a decision between college and going to like acting school. And uh, Beyonce, of all people, had a song that had came out around that time. I think it was in 2012. And it was, um, hold on, let me think of the, let me think of the title. I was, it was called, it was called, I was here. And this song was, was played was, she performed it live. It was like the, the human, humanity, it was like, it was like a global humanity conference or something, whatnot. And it was this song that says, I want to live. I want, and I remember the lyrics, like without the music, I remember the lyrics. It says, I want to live. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time so that everyone will know I was here. Wow. And I was like, that's legacy, man. That is. You want to do something that fucking matters. It matters. And I know that's cliche as a millennial to say that, like, I want to do something that matters, but I'm like, that's. That's the passion that drives. That's the fire that burns behind, which says like, no, I'm sorry. And it's when proof I, yet again that there's so many people who just want to do something. They, that matters. They, they yeah. want to be the person who is the next memorable thing. <laughs> oh, you just you just took a full lean back in your chair. Hard laugh. Gosh, I kind of love that, Kent. Yeah, that was that was funny. <laughs> I mean, the, the seg the seg into that was just like I, I it's like it was so impassioned and it was so like grave and it was like and then also I've got to take a like <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is hilarious. So let's we we've talked about a bunch of stuff and between us fellas here on the the talking. Sure. The talkie? Wow. The talkie. That's a new one. That's, I, did, I thought this was my, a that's podcast. That's what my grandma would call it. The, talk, the talkie. Yeah, yeah. You need but, to go home and re reacquaint yourself with how that generation <laughs> thinks. <laughs> what is what is this? Where did this compulsion come from? Do you do you remember like what it was when you started, whether it was music or entrepreneurship or acting? What what was it that kind of lit that fire in your belly to realize that that Small town America wasn't enough. What what was the thing that made you compulse for something more? Wow. Remember I know what? I ask good questions. I'm no, a good interviewer. That, that is, You're welcome. <laughs> that is a good question, man. Um, and this is also something that I I while I've 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 addressed it in the past, it's not something that I readily talk about because it also sounds like I'm tooting my own horn. It sounds like I'm, <laughs> no, it sounds so egotistical and narcissistic to say what I'm about to say. That well, people, you're in good company because a lot of people have called me both of those things. Yeah, well, it, it just, you kind of have to be to be an entrepreneur. But not just that, it sounds like people, people that hear me talk like this think that I'm so full of myself. They think I'm, 
I, I'm not, I, I do not have the audacity to compare myself with how I thought of Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. But I thought of Tom Brady how people think of me. They're like, you are not that good. You are not that talented. You are not that skilled. And you are not that innately gifted. Right. But in answer to your question, every, every, um, like, collegiate advisor, life coach, everyone says, what are you good at? Like, what are you innately gifted at? That so you can Kent follow Dean, what through. Is, what are you good at? What are you gifted at? Let, let, let me finish what I was about to say. Then, then it'll answer your question. <laughs> let, then it'll answer your question. And it'll also make me sound like an egotistical asshole. So, um, you're, in, you're in okay company here. Yeah. So the every, every single collegiate advisor, life coach, and they all say the same thing. They're all like, so as a young adult – 15, 16, you're trying to figure your life out. You're trying to figure out what it is. So, so what are you innately gifted at that you that you feel like you're drawn to and your passion lies in and you're good at and you have a gift for and you can pursue and you can be excel at and you follow that. And those other things that you like and you don't like or whatnot, but that you're just like, you're not that great at, just let them go. Focus on your passion, man. Well, I had the opposite problem. Everything I ever tried, I excelled at. Okay. Everything. Like, we had these, and I'm going to go, like, minutia, because and, I'm going to, no, literally, every listener who just heard that is like, oh, this guy's freaking yeah, full we, of himself. We have, we have to give the caveat. It's like, that does sound like something a gigantic douche would say. Absolutely. And I'm like. And you have to give the caveat on the opposite end. Absolutely. So, and I don't, I'm not lying to you. Like, I know how I sound when I say that. So, I have a. Eight brothers and two sisters. All through my life, we are always competitive on everything. So, everything has probably been competitive since you were born. Absolutely. I mean, we fought over food. There's 11 <laughs> kids. I did too when I was a kid. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's only half a joke. But yes, also. But like foosball. We, we bought a foosball table to the Christmas family. And I did not stop playing foosball till I beat everyone. Mm-hmm. And I was the reigning champion and did not, and did not lose. Like I would go nine and zero until they beat me, and I was like, "No, I will win. I will win." That is how it works. Me and my the brother right above me, we had typing competitions for how fast you could type. Ooh, ooh, ooh! How many words per minute do you type? I think I might have you beat. Hundred and ten. Hundred and fifteen. Really? I type very fast. Holy freaking smoke! Suck it, Mavis Beacon. What the frick? Okay, if you were not my brother, because my brother hit ninety, we might we might could have to have a my typing br- competition. You hit, <laughs> I am I am literally amazed because not only did I uh, beat all my brothers, like I surpass everyone in my professional fields. Like when I tell them now, when I've laxed and don't type regularly, my average right now is ninety to ninety-five words a minute. That's my average. Easy. Easy, yeah. And that's just me like doing my job. Yep. And um, but my brother's like he's right on my heels at 80, 85. And when I was at 110, he was at 95. I didn't realize people typed slower than that. Until I worked in the professional field and they're doing it with two and fingers they're going, and they're like bonk, click, bonk, click, bonk, and I'm like bonk, bonk, bonk. How do you have this job? That is what I did not so yes, so I'm if, mad, mad impressed. If in my his ears props, worked, bro. I could be a court stenographer. I yes. can type so fast. 
Mad, mad <laughs> not Okay, gonna, so continue typing not, fast. Not gonna lie, mad props. So yes, if you had been my brother, I would be typing 130 <laughs> right now because I always You're be typing 118. Because I I always surpassed the best. I always looked for the best and I Let's be honest, that's it. the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> oh gosh, no, you're not. Oh, <laughs> freaking word. No. That's a lie and a half. So, but it was but in those just in those two things, indicative of everything that was in my life. Everything that I saw. And um, when it came to martial arts, I wanted to be the best in martial arts. So I studied Taekwondo, Krav Maga, uh, Jiu Jitsu, and I do all of those. A linguistics. Do you still currently practice any of those martial arts or have they been passing uh studies of yours um they they were at their time passing studies i still do to the currently i still maintain my ability in krav maga and taekwondo cool yes um linguistics same thing um i wanted to make sure that i could it was both a both a like a bona fide and like a laurel on the chest to be like i speak more languages than you but also an ability like i want to be able to converse with people of other cultures so i studied languages all through high school and college um and i still do the same thing which is so if you want to come up to me and say german or spanish right now i can probably respond in kind and we can have a conversation you you can have a a not, I don't want to say elementary, but you could have a basic, absolutely, no, a absolutely. basic conversation in a different language. Absolutely, yes. And and then I learned enough of to be dangerous and myriad other languages, both cool. Greek, Japanese, um, Korean, uh, French, Russian. And these were just just enough to just be dangerous, just to know just to words, know just just so I could do it. And and it was things like that that just drove me to be like, I want to know more about this than anyone I know. And that's that's something that's all about everything that I've ever done. And so when it comes to the passion that drives, it's a passion to excel. And I had this conversation with siblings. I've had this conversation with siblings and they're like, where where do you stop? And I'm like, I don't. I I really don't. I find I find the next peak and I climb it. And that's uh, we'll we'll circle back to what we said probably 30 minutes ago. It's like this is the level of competition in I don't even want to just say Nashville, but in any competitive field, you Absolutely. have to be prepared for the people who are this and uh, just kind of stepping adjacent to this uh linguistics and language conversation my cousin who i lived with for a year and a half two years when i first moved to nashville hold on kent needs another beer i got this one we're oh good. he we're has good. one we're good. we're good we're good i'm just pulling my koozie my, <laughs> adjusting my koozie on it right now so but my cousin good. when i first moved here uh he and i were Great friends. We we had a wonderful conversation. He was an incredibly, from the moment he and I moved in together, I recognized he was an incredibly intelligent guy. Sure. And yeah. one day I came home and he was gone. Everything that, everything that was in our apartment was gone. And I texted him and I was like, hey, what happened? Where did you go? He goes, oh, well, I got a job. Uh, working for uh, American Airlines. And I was like, cool, but why? And turns out my cousin is pentalingual. Mm-hmm. He is fluent in five, five languages. languages. Five languages. And so, uh, and of course, I, I was like, well, hell yeah, that's awesome. So he could speak English, Spanish, Portuguese. It, what is the, uh, is it Arabic? 
That's that's Arabic was split into Egyptian Arabic and Farsi. Yeah, yeah. So he could speak four spoken languages and ASL fluently. And I was like, Why are you working for an airline? Why are you not working for the Department of Justice? Why are you not working for the military? Because that kind of intelligence, that kind of mental ability ability doesn't Absolutely, yeah that's that's again we circle back again that's not something that everyone has and it's not no. something you can learn it's something that is in you in full circle to your actual actual question what drove me to music it's exactly that so it's just be, something that's in you some and 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 the ability behind it my ability to excel and admittedly and I will be the first to tell this to anyone, no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how disciplined you are at any particular field. This is something my dad instilled in me very, very young. There will always be someone better. Always. Always. And this was something that it was in so, so ingrained in my soul, basically, that I knew that no matter if I was the best of the best in any particular field, no matter what sphere I put around it, all you had to do was step outside of that sphere and you would find someone better. And that drove me to to I, I normally you you would think that that would be like a, a a pail of cold water to a fire, right? But no, I treated that like the like the like the gasoline and be like no. I will Let me burn be that guy. I will burn so bright, my sphere will be so broad that no one can douse it. And admittedly, even to this day, I know this, and I'm 29 years old now. But 29 years old, and I still know, no matter how good I am at anything, there will always be someone outside my sphere that is better. But I would know that inside my sphere, I will pursue that to be the best. And to your exact question, what drove me to music? It was that idea and the ability that I felt that I knew innately that I had to be the best at whatever I chose in any sphere I picked. It almost all felt meaningless. And I was like, okay, so I can choose to not do anything and it won't matter. Or I can choose to be the best in any field and know that outside that sphere, someone else is better. So it won't matter. But also, what kind of legacy are you leaving to everyone inside your sphere? And see, that legacy is something that I think is important to talk about. And especially within, shall we say, our bubble. Absolutely. Our bubble. So today is – the day we're recording this is November 17th, 2022. And it was 1.25 p.m. today. I received a novel of a text message. Oh gosh! From it's not from me. I don't type not, novels not, and texts. Not from Kent. Kent doesn't text novels. But I received a novel of a text message from a guy that I haven't talked to in, gosh, a year and a half. And the the gist of it is he reminded me. I I I'm, I'm going to quote Taylor Swift here shortly. I forgot that you existed. <laughs> oh gosh! Sorry. But he texted, oh gosh, I was to whoever this is, I'm sorry, but be better at life, but be better at life. I'm sorry, but also thank you because he texted me this, this very, very long heartfelt message about how he remembers when he played the show. Now, and of course I remember the show that he played as I'm, 
I might be autistic in that way. I like. Oh, I, gosh, re- no. I remember most of these things. No, that's not autistic. That's called attention to detail. The, the, yeah, it's super, super ADD, as, ADHD. As, as Benedict Cumberbatch would say in Sherlock, it's a highly functioning sociopath, to be specific. <laughs> but this guy texted me saying that at, it was like three days after he played our show, he was asked to host his own show. And he kind of had this like, oh, yeah, sure, I could do that. And this whole novel of a text goes through how he really struggled at the beginning because he didn't realize how hard it is to do. And one of the things he said here is just like for for years of me being the MC, I now realize how difficult it is to pull off a successful show. It amazes me to see what you do and know what you do. And I'm like, I, I, I tried I tried. I was very humble in my response. And I said, thank you so much for the kind words. Congratulations on your show's success. But it's proof because he closed his novel by saying, please keep going. If no one ever tells you this, everyone is trying to get on your level. And it was kind of so a valid. It was kind so of true. a validation because I feel it might be like a, a millennial anxiety thing where we all feel like we're not doing anything. Yeah. And it's it's little things like that that really kind of make you feel like okay, I'm I'm doing some work that's cons- I don't want to say consequential is the wrong word, but like some work that is meaningful towards somebody who I might not otherwise think about on a day-to-day basis. Sure. So yeah. even if even if your work is going unnoticed on a short scale, there is a level of your work that's going noticed on a further scale. As as a musician and and entrepreneur, so as we've we we talked prior to this to this segment here, and we talked about how a lot of my personal business ventures stem and 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 spread far beyond songwriting in the music industry. Right. Um, while I am a songwriter and a singer songwriter, and that um, will always be part of your life. Absolutely, it'll never not be. Absolutely, but but also I have an understanding, and and gratefully so. That this this industry, this industry as a music industry, there is so much more than being on the top of the Billboard 100. Um, I don't know if you know what an evergreen record is. I do not. So, an, tell a, me and our listeners here what this so, is. So, so an evergreen record is, and I do not know the the truly definitive definition. Like, if you were to call, if you were to call um, any sort of major record label and ask them what an what an evergreen record it's they would know but i i know the gist of it so bob dylan has i believe nine evergreen records and evergreen records are considered quintessential records of all time mm-hmm. they're the ones that will continue to sell for all time in perpetuity with no it's like led zeppelin date. 2 led zeppelin 4 these or thriller Sure, yeah. Records records that will permeate music as not just not just a machine, but in not, not just as an industry, but as a cultural zeitgeist of things that will never not be part of our the conversation. Earth. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And and I be, and, and we're in pardon our paraphrase because if I looked up on Google on my phone right now, I could tell you exactly what it is, but I know the phrase and I know the stats that's coming right behind it. So the reason I say that exact term evergreen record Bob Dylan never had a number one single in his entire career. He never had a number one single, but he has nine 
Evergreen Records. There, and it's proof that you do not have to be the quote most successful artist of all time. Yeah, because there. I mean, okay, so let's let's talk frankly. Let's if put we, popular. Can I put popular for a second? Of course. Kate Bush. Kate Run, Bush running up that running hill. up that hill. Do you know when that was released? 1986? Six or seven, something like that, yeah. It only became popular, became a number one, billboard number one this past year. So, Running Up a Hill, A Deal with God by Kate Bush on the album Hounds of Love came out in, gosh, that was 1985. Yeah, her last her last known tour, I believe, was 1989, and the last known video of her singing that song live was 1987 but or 1989. But it's proof that if you write a good song that is a good song, yeah. and Stranger Things is proof in the pudding. I mean, gosh, th- oh, fuck, th- think I of a more ap- saying that a little bit. Think of a more apropos term. Then stranger things, then stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but to say to tell 1985 or 1987, Kate Hill that her song yeah. that her song in 40 years, 35 years, this is would be number the one. number one single. That is not something that either one matters to anyone that age, but also two is not believable. And so to think of something like Evergreen songs, which is Bob Dylan's nine of them, but also never number one singles, but also to think of the the fact of legacy, something that matters, something that means something to someone. It's going to be part of a greater cultural Absolutely. zeitgeist after Absolutely. the fact. So one of the great things here, do you need to open your beer? I do actually. Here, open your beer. Let's do the pop. Let's do it. So we've got another beer here. Uh, this is uh, the, yet again, the, uh, gosh, the Extra Easy Amber from Tennessee Brew Works. Hit it! Sponsor us. <laughs> so, oh, I will never stop to, I, I will never not stop to put advertisement yeah, spots. Yeah, same. I'm, I I'm think sorry, I can't help it, but this is Something that this I is really how it, started excelling at early on, like we were talking about things we are undeniably good at. Something I'm undeniably good at is sales, and I kind of hate admitting it because I had hoped I would be undeniably good at writing music. <laughs> but as a consequence, I'm kind of good at sales. But uh, what I was going to say is, let's see, this is episode 62 of the Nashville Tour Stop podcast episode i believe it was 47 we had lauren weintraub on oh nice yeah. and if you guys haven't listened to that podcast go back and listen because lauren on her episode talked about how so she's you know lauren you know her music you know her work she actually auditioned for the role in stranger things to be the short red-haired girl is the Kate Bush running up the hill girl who gets sucked up. Yeah, so Lauren Weintraub auditioned for Max in Stranger Things. And it's just bonkers that that's that's kind of the the world that we're living in is that our friends are literally doing the things that are are part of I don't even want to say the American cultural experience. No, is, but this they, is but this they is are, an though. international cultural experience. Everybody watched Stranger Things. Yeah. And it's just crazy to think that like sorry i've said it before my she's my neighbor yeah my neighbor auditioned for this and and that's what's cool about what we do here in nashville is that like our friends 
are the people who are making it. Our friends are Nashville's next, like, I love that song. You've ever heard this song? You're like, yes. Like, Gail is opening for Taylor Swift at the Nissan Stadium and multiple other dates of her tour. Oh, God. Gail played Tour Stop. I have a story about Gail. Okay, well, let's talk about Gail. No! Tell us your story about Gail. Gail Gail and her mom. Taylor, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Hi, Taylor. You know Gail's real name? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Listeners, you are getting an uncut version of Nashville right now. So Gail's real name is Taylor? Taylor. Hey. (laughs) If you can't find it on Wikipedia... I'm I'm like I'm like embarrassed to be telling this story right now because she played Nashville tour stop. Oh, I know, but like when I first came to town in 2019, so mm-hmm. I was at Live Oak. I've already shot it out before. Like that's my place to go to and hang out. So so Taylor Gail was there with her mom at Live Oak, and we were all just hanging out. Because she was like 14, 15. It was like she was a kid, uh, like a bear kid, and like had X's on her wrists yeah. because she couldn't get into the bar. And um, I was brand new to town. I'm like two weeks in and we're watching the music on stage and I met her mom and her mom's great. Like her mom's, her mom's like super cool. But also I, moms, moms love me. I've realized The momager, the momager vibe. Yeah, no, but also moms love me. Like I've realized this, like one of my best friends in town, it's like, he's a country music artist. He's got like a two of us now. He's like, (laughs) but his mom literally sent me a picture. Uh, I, I texted her, I texted my buddy's mom a picture of him and me and his mom sends back, it's like, Oh, look, it's my baby. Oh. And my son's there, too. You're like, oh, and also. <laughs> and also, yes. This, that's, that's what we call an afterthought. <laughs> yes. So, so, but, but no. So, get, oh, my gosh. Like, uh, A, B, C, D, E. So freaking good, man. Like, and A, B, C, D, E, F, U. Absolutely. But also the ability to capture a generation and to capture the TikTok like viral nature of 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 the platform. And right. also just that that innate ability is far to beyond tap into the cultural world. It's of far beyond anything what somebody I, is feeling, what somebody is thinking, how how a generation interacts. And it's far beyond anything I could ever do. Because like, if I, we, I if wish we, I could. If we rewind our generation is the Facebook generation. We are the people who, I I really early on, somebody made a fan page for me on Facebook. Oh, like, wow. I had a fan group on Facebook. They were desperate, weren't they? And it's like, that's... I'm kidding. Come on. That was funny. <laughs> shut the f- but that's that's the kind of stuff that we're looking at. It's like we, we find people who are able to capitalize on a specific part of what is happening now yeah and everybody is trying to be part of what is happening now and there's only so many people who i don't i don't want to kind of diminutize it but they they get it yeah they just well, inherently get it and there's and there's two parts that i'm going to follow up with this one which is the awesome like so when i went to live oak and taylor slash gail was there with her mom um we hung out and taylor was like um, here we're having taco night next Tuesday. You want to come out? That was at Poncho and Lefties. It was it, it, no, no. It was at their house. I went. To, that was at their house. Was at their house. Damn. Okay, so I did a taco night with no, no, Gail no, 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 at no. Poncho and Lefties. When, <laughs> when I did their taco night, this was like early on to their doing taco nights. They're like, yeah, we used. to I do- know what you're talking about, though. I remember those. And and literally, Gail Taylor gave me her number. She's like, here. And then she's like blushing as she does it because she's like, what, 15, 16? And I'm like 23 or 24. I'm like, 
this is weird. You're like, I can't text you I'm without like, your mom being part of the group chat. Her mom's right here, so it's, there's nothing weird about this, but it's also weird, if you know what I mean. So she's like, I can't believe I'm giving my, some guy my number that I just met at a bar. Yeah. And so she's she's like, here, here you go. Here's the info and all of the above. And we hang out there. And um, not Taylor and I, but like I go there, I hang out with her parent, her mom, her, her, like a whole host of friends for a taco night. And it's just an, it's just a glimpse into the, into the, as that my was former. early 29 or early 2020. Tw- yeah. Like late was, 2019 it, or early 2020. But, but it's something my acting coach used to say is the zeitgeist of the future. It's that, mm. it's that, it's that snapshot of a future generation that has not yet matured. And there's a few people that I know of that were there at that party that night. I'm not going to name drop here, but I know of them. So we, gosh, Kent Dean, we have talked about so much today, and yes, I have. know, yes, we I have. know that this is kind of out of left field, and we've, it, and honestly, it's kind of just because we're running out of time here, and I hate, sure, to, uh, yeah, no, fire I away. hate, fire I hate away. to cut the conversation short, but can you please tell the listeners this week where they can find you on the internet, whether it's music, investing, oh, social media? How would you like our listeners from this week to? engage with you oh gosh um if they can find you just at live oak that might be enough <laughs> live oak would be good yeah shout out hasten hasten um no so on uh, my handles on pretty much every social media profile is at the kent dean so the 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 kent dean t-h-e kent dean spelled like clark kent met james dean um so i know right it's a cool handle i'm not gonna lie (laughs) so and then also at my website at www.thekentdean or thekentdean.com and um, i post an occasional blog up there and uh, uh, pertaining to music biz in general and then also my um my personal like road experiences on the road and things like that so um everything about that and and feel free to like just shoot me a dm or shoot me a message and be like hey we're 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 thinking of moving to nashville absolutely and and if you want to come to nashville you want some like quick tips and be like where do we go who do we hang out with trust me i mean it's this is not like got a short list i do i do and sadly sadly like pre-covid i knew everyone like i knew every single promoter and every single round from my perspective covid kind of burst the bubble it did there's not a lot of people doing a lot of stuff now yeah it's so sad but like pre-covid i could have pointed you to every venue in town because i was out Oh my gosh! Like I was eight there, days there, a week. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of my good buddies in town, he, he he had this joke with me, and and Aaron, I know you know him, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to say him on air because. But also, he he had this expression every time he would see me, be like, be, like he'd be like, Kent. I feel like I see you more often than I see myself, and I was like, <laughs> this is so appropriate because I am out more often than I'm not. Like if I was like, you don't meet anyone on a couch. It's proof that. The most effective thing you can do if you move to this town is just be seen. And be, no, as my as my acting coach, and his name is D.W. Brown. He has a great school in Santa Monica, California. I'm putting this plug in just because he's awesome, and their school is awesome. But D.W. Brown in Santa Monica, California, the Baron Brown Acting Studio, he had this expression. He's like, there's two things. I did not learn this lesson when I was in L.A. I lived in L.A. for six years, and I did not learn this lesson there, but I learned it. Once I moved to Nashville and his expression was this, he's like, be seen and be good. Yep. He's like, so you can be seen, you can stand out, you can, you can, you can be prominent and you can be someone that people remember, but by all heaven's sakes, please be good, be good. 
if you're not good and you're everywhere, people kind of hate you more than they would. Oh, you're you now you're on the top of the tabloids and not the top of MTV. Or not There's the top nothing of the that I, yeah. as a promoter, disenjoy more than somebody who does not leave me alone, who I do not want to book. Absolutely. There's and there's people, that, the people who email me 22 times. Who and Aaron, this is this is something I learned from don't you. Get it? This is something I learned from you. And this is something. This is the cliche, like distilled Nashville version of what my coach said in, in Santa Monica. Yours was be cool and be a good hang. Be a good hang. Be a good hang, and that's Nashville, man. That's Nashville distilled. Like if you can go out and hang out, have a drink or two, or don't drink, but just hang out and be cool. Everyone Man, wants to hang out with someone. Everyone cool wants to, to hang, hang out, out with. with someone that's cool to hang out with. This is so because you know who true. likes an asshole? No one. Every girl I've ever dated. Oh god. <laughs> 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 On that most inappropriate note. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you're if you're just fun to be with, you will have more success in this town than you will if you are a great songwriter, if you're a great guitar player, if you are cool to be around, you will find more success than any other way you would otherwise. It's so true, but I'm going to throw one caveat out there to everyone that's listening to this and being like, so how do I be cool? Do nothing more than be yourself. Do not put on an air. Do not put on a show. Do not pretend to be something more than you're not. If you are a plumber back home and you roll into Nashville being like, I heard about this really, really, really dope music scene. And I felt like it would be really cool to be a part of it. Do nothing more than roll into town and everyone you meet tell them exactly that. Be like, hey, I was a plumber. I was really good at it, but I was like, you know what? I heard about this cool community of people. I wanted to do something else. That loved music, and I felt like I wanted to do something else. Exactly that. And I wanted to come here and be a part of it. If you were honest as, if you are straight, if you are like honest AF about what it is you want, and you move to town, and you'd be like, this is what I want. This is who I am. And you were unapologetically that. I promise you, the people in this town will love you and they that will be that will be your end to being like I'm a cool Hank. Right. That is all it takes. We don't we don't ask you to be like some superstar, some some New York like zip that performed on Broadway. We're not looking for flashy, we're not looking for fancy, we're not even sometimes looking for talented. We are just looking for people that are cool. People that are cool. And this is coming from two folks Who that are, are not quite millionaires that are not quite <laughs> successful that are come to listen to this podcast in four years and then and then pretend that you listened to us back then and then yeah we'll talk well Kent this was a very impromptu podcast generally I do a lot more prep for my shows oh gosh and uh, <laughs> turns out tonight's prep just uh, happened to be a couple of beers at the bar next door absolutely. So, uh, please give us your plugs one more time before we close out this podcast for the week. Everything about me you can find at the Kent Dean or thekentdean.com or any Instagram or any social media platform at the Kent Dean, and you'll find me. Come hit me up. Or if you're in town, maybe just chance yourself a show and you might could find him. Absolutely. God, Mike could. Am I the most Southern fella you ever heard? Yeah, you'll find me around. You'll Yo, find me around. Could, you might could find my friend. Come to Nashville. Tell me you heard me on Nashville <laughs> Tour Stops podcast, and I'm going to love you forever. So let's do this.
Well, if you would like to follow the Nashville Tour Stop, you can find us on all of your social media platforms at Nashville Tour Stop. You can check us out on the web at NashvilleTourStop.com. You can find our complete show roster right there on your web browser. We've got, gosh dang, near 150 live shows a year. Yes, indeed. And uh, I'm going to keep shouting you out, Nick Rifkin. Thank you for coming down all the way from New Jersey to play a show and hang out with us. That's awesome. You are the realist. You are the reason that we get to do this. Can I shout him out as well? Sure. Nick Rifkin. This is the guy that this showed up from <laughs> New England. New England, right? New England, right? That's right. New England. <laughs> Come on, Nick, ma'am. thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Everybody who's listening to the show these days, thank you for being part of it. And this is what I'm going to call my first official announcement on air. We are starting a Patreon for our podcast because all of you have been listening so freaking diligently every week. I used to have to beg my friends to listen to three minutes of a song that I would record. And instead, I've got all you guys, cool motherfuckers, listening to this podcast every week, just me getting drunk with my friends. What more could I ask for? I don't think you're going to ask for anything more, but also just know that there will be a little bit of an E that's surrounded by a box that's in the lower right-hand corner of yes. every podcast episode. So do <laughs> yeah, not listen with children present. That is, our, that is our one caveat. <laughs> that is our one caveat, but also <laughs> share us with everyone that's been involved. Aaron Shobe is a good buddy of mine. We've been friends for four years now, and he's got so much good stuff coming in the works. Nashville Sewer Stop is going so many and so far, man. You're not even going to recognize everything that we're doing right now. So he's doing right now. I can't even take credit for this. This guy has got so much entrepreneurial spirit behind him, so much passion. And so much vision that everyone should be hanging on board, listening to every word, and then follow along for the journey because, man, it's going to be one hell of a ride. Because all I like to do is I like to do cool stuff for my friends. And a lot of people call bullshit. They think that I'm being disingenuous about that. And it's not. It's not bullshit. All I want to do is do cool things for the people that I believe in. And I want to take that to the next degree. So even though I can't talk about whatever that is, gosh, how many beers have I had? I don't know, but there's news coming. I'm I'm going to try to like seg this out of Aaron's hand <laughs> because be, he wants be he he wants to spill info that he cannot spill right now. But also, he likes to do cool things with cool people. And if you're a cool person, come to Nashville, hang out, be cool, don't be a d- and. Remember, <laughs> just remember, just remember, this is like the number one catchphrase, which is like the best catchphrase and you PR wanna do it? campaign. You want to close this I out? I want to close it out. Can close this out for the night? I'm going to close it out. So just remember that everything you're doing, do it to the best of your ability. Be cool. Hang out. Have fun. Be passionate. But remember that all roads need lead. Right here. To the Nashville Tour, Tour Stop. Stop. Good night.